This program is made possible by the members and donors of the show. For details, visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Now, welcome to the award-winning Best of the Left podcast with clips today from The Majority Report, Media Matters, The Rachel Maddow Show, The Tom Hartman Program, Counterspin, The Daily Show, and The Young Turks with a bonus video clip for our Apple iOS and Android app users from The Daily Show. I'm not as plugged in as say like you know like they are on CNN. I, I you know I don't, I'm not providing the enormous quality of of in-depth analysis of our news like they are in CNN. I mean I, I imagine they're going to cover the 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 poll that I'm talking about, which is pr- proof positive that uh, while you folks may be uh, somewhat elite and exclusive in your understanding of, of politics, at the end of the day, your agenda is no different than the vast majority of Americans who want to see us tax the rich. I'll get to that poll in a second. But my point being, we just don't have the capacity to do the type of in-depth reporting and the smart, intelligent work they're doing in places like, uh, like CNN, for instance. You know, yesterday I mentioned this story about the uh, couple of thousand birds that fell from the sky in Beebe, Arkansas. And the uh, wildlife officials there, uh, they are working under the assumption there was some type of um, traumatic event like uh, upper altitude hail or a thunderstorm. Uh, and then there was a report that uh, there were thousands of dead uh, fish in another part of Arkansas, which it looks more like some type of poisoning. And I guess I just do not have the analytical skills uh, that one would need to be on broadcast, I should say, cable cast, mainstream television. We don't have the capacity here (laughs) to do the type of analysis and news reporting that they have there. We simply don't. And uh, uh, case in point, this story which I mentioned, I reported on yesterday, but I didn't put two and two together. No, for that, you need CNN. Roll tape, please. It's really terrible. As if the Arkansas bird drop weren't freakish enough, it came on the heels of a massive fish kill 125 miles away. Tens of thousands of dead fish washed up on the shores of the Arkansas River near Ozark last Thursday. Well, wildlife experts say the two events are almost certainly unrelated. It's certainly an odd coincidence. The Internet, of course, is now buzzing with other theories. Some people are even saying this is... Uh, no, but there, no or... of course, there, uh, experts are saying they're certainly, almost certainly unrelated. Um, hmm. Slow news day. What can we do? Let's go on the Internet and see what we can find. Some people are even saying this is uh, these math deaths are, are a sign that the end times are near. Some have cited the Left Behind series of books. So we thought we'd talk to actor Kirk Cameron. He's a born-again Christian. He's written a lot about his faith. He also starred in the Left Behind series of films. I spoke to him earlier. Kirk, there's a lot of chatter out there on the Internet about these thousands of birds and fish dying. Some people saying this is a sign of the end of days. You obviously starred in a series of films um, uh, sort of based on, on the idea of the Left Behind series. When you hear that, what do you think? Well, I, I first think that they ought to call a veterinarian, uh, not me. You know, I, I'm not the uh, religious conspiracy theorist go-to guy particularly, but I, I think it's it's really kind of silly to try to uh, equate birds falling out of the sky with some time of an en- some kind of an end times theory. Hey, what happened? Yeah, hey, what happened? Do you know that there is probably 
uh, nothing more embarrassing than being on national television and having Kirk Cameron, the man who started a YouTube video, showing us a banana as proof that evolution doesn't exist. Tell you that it's pretty silly to have me on your program to discuss this. I, my God. And I love how Anderson Cooper had to sort of like, sort of uh, leapfrog. Well, uh, most experts agree this has not even related. However, we went to the Internet. On the Internet, there's some people who are crazy, and crazy people mentioned Kirk Cameron, so here he is. <laughs> and then Kirk Cameron, when Kirk Cameron is the voice of reason, folks, when Kirk Cameron is telling mainstream media, and look, you know, I gotta say, you're really, you're really pushing it here. But let me show you this banana <laughs> as proof that there's no evolution. What an embarrassment! My brother, the my brother, the hold this, Kirk. Behold the atheist's nightmare. Now, if you study a well-made banana, you'll find on the far side. There are three ridges. On the close side, two ridges. If you get your hand ready to grip a banana, you'll find on the far side there are three grooves. On the close side, two grooves. The banana and the hand are perfectly made one for the other. You'll find the maker of the banana, Almighty God, has made it with a non-slip surface. It has outward indicators of inward contents. Green, too early. Yellow, just right. Black, too late. Now, if you go to the top of the banana, you'll find, as with the soda can makers, they placed a tab at the top, so God has placed a tab at the top. When you pull the tab, the contents don't squirt in your face. You'll find the wrapper, which is biodegradable, has perforations. Notice how gracefully it sits over the human hand. Notice it has a point at the top for ease of entry. It's just the right shape of the human mouth. It's chewy, easy to digest, and it's even curved toward the face to make the whole process so much easier. Seriously, Kurt, the whole of creation testifies to the genius of God's creator. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Danny Herrera. Does anyone remember radio hosts attacking the former First Lady Laura Bush the way Rush Limbaugh goes after Michelle Obama? Yet everything they do is predicated on saving us from ourselves. Everything they do is predicated on keeping us safe. Michelle, my butt, uh, uh, Michelle, my bell Obama, out there talking about nutrition. His wife, Michelle, my butt, uh, 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 Michelle, my bell Obama. She's out there and she's not drawn big crowds. She's not drawn big crowds and she's not happy about this. Now remember, this is what Michelle, my butt, Obama. <clears throat> That's the second time I've done that, and I apologize. Yeah, I was joking a moment ago about Michelle, my butt. Damn it. Michelle, my bells. Obesity thing out here. Look at this. Stay classy, Rush. As an anti-consumerism advocate, I'd like to encourage you to shop less, don't buy things you don't need, and only buy the necessities from local, independently owned businesses. 
That said, if you don't take this good advice, then at least there's a way to shop that helps support this show at the same time. Simply click through to Amazon.com, just one of the major companies under constant boycott by one liberal cause or another, from the banner posted at bestoftheleft.com. Better yet, click through just once and bookmark that link to use every time you shop. Your shopping experience will be identical to normal. It will cost you nothing extra, but 7 to 8% of the cost of your order in soulless corporate blood money will be siphoned off and used to tremendously support the production of this show. Thanks for doing the right thing, whatever you consider that to be. Paul Ryan will give the Republican response to the president's address. He is expected to say no to many of the president's new spending requests. Then you will also see the Tea Party response. You mentioned this, Martin, delivered by another House Republican, Michelle Bachman. Her remarks will also be carried on CNN, which sort of gives her equal billing. We'll carry all of that live here on CNN. I don't know about the other networks, but we'll let, we'll let all of those speeches breathe. Uh, what do you think about the, the decision by the Tea Party to go ahead and have their own response? Well, I understand why they would. Who wouldn't want to? I don't understand the decision by CNN to air it. Why are you giving uh, two? Why are you giving airtime to basically two Republican responses? The fact of the matter is, Michelle Bachman is a Republican. There, there is no Tea Party in right. the sense of the Republican Party. <laughs> there could the be. Democrat, there, there could be one of these days. Well, Yes, but at the moment, this is not a. Yeah, but the fact of the matter is, this is another Republican response. And I just want to remind our viewers: the only place uh, they'll see on television uh, that speech live, Michelle Bachman's Tea Party speech, will be right here on CNN. Let's also be honest. Look, uh, you know, we're the only ones broadcasting her speech, so therefore, validating uh, that response. How do most Republicans feel? about the fact that she is even doing this. I think most Republicans actually are, are upset that she's doing it. Uh, I think they're upset with uh, those of us, I guess, now just seeing and covering this for, for even giving it attention. All right, hold on a second, Eric. Let's listen to the Congresswoman. We're awaiting Michelle Bachman to deliver the Tea Party Movement's official response to the President's State of the Union address. The Tea Party Movement's official response to the President's State of the Union? The Tea Party's official response? Official according to whom? This is Sal Russo. He's a Republican political consultant based in California. He runs a well-connected, rather high-end Republican political consulting firm called Russo, Marsh, Marsh and Rogers. Remember that thing, Moving America Forward, where really right-wing radio hosts toured the country to talk about how great the Iraq war was going, how the lamestream media wouldn't tell you the good news about how safe and free Iraq was now, thanks for the war? Uh, that was also a Sal Russo gig. Uh, he also perhaps coincidentally took a consulting contract with the Kurdish government in northern Iraq to spin for their interests in the United States. So that was moving America forward, a Republican political consulting gig made to look like a movement. It was a vehicle that this for-profit political consultant used to drum up favorable news coverage. In 2008, Sal Russo decided to start using a literal vehicle to do the same thing. He, he, got, he got a bus that he took on a Stop Obama bus tour. It did tours through key campaign states, not that different from the right-wing radio Iraq is all right tours. It sort of looked like a movement, right? When the Tea Party movement started to gel into something that might be seen as an actual movement, in 2009, Sal Russo renamed his bus tour the Tea Party Express. Just a bus tour, except it had the name of this new bigger thing called the Tea Party. 
But then trouble in paradise. Dave Weigel worked for the Washington Independent at the time. He did some great reporting on how the actual grassroots Tea Partiers were sort of off-put by this bus tour being run out of a Republican political consultant's office when the movement was trying to look all nonpartisan, postpartisan, and outsidery. Those problems got worse for old Sal Russo when in 2009 and 2010, Talking Points Memo did some damning fine-tooth combing of Mr. Russo's financial filings. This Sal Russo bus tour express thing was turning into a great way to monetize the whole idea of the Tea Party movement. They were getting a bunch of publicity, which is what Sal Russo was really best at as a political consultant, and they were turning that publicity into cash, into a lot of donations, donations from people who thought they were donating to the Tea Party movement. What they were really giving their money to mostly uh, was old Sal Russo. TPM finding in the FEC filings that even though political action committees are expected to fund political campaigns and candidates, the one that Tea Party Express was part of for a long time mostly just funded Russo and Marsh. Russo Marsh, this Republican consulting firm that set this group up in the first place. And a lot of the money that didn't go directly to Russo Marsh went to other for-profit firms affiliated with Sal Russo. The Tea Party movement is a real thing. A lot of Americans identify with the Tea Party's message or messages or just their image about being dissatisfied with politics as usual and being conservative. Whether you love or loathe the Tea Party, whether you admire them or you laugh at them, the Tea Party is a real thing. But the Tea Party Express? sort of a scam. It has been ever since a Republican political consulting firm set them up and used them essentially as a funding stream for that firm, even as the rest of the movement tried to keep its distance from old-school Republican insider operatives like Sal Russo. Despite its rather sleazy origins, Tea Party Express did ultimately become a financial success, in large part because of Mr. Russo's patented and highly monetized ability to generate press coverage for the firm's projects that look like grassroots movements. Check this out, for instance. This is from a few weeks ago on CNN's website. This shows the merging, the unsafe at highway speed merging of the CNN Express bus with the Tea Party Express bus. It shows there are two buses coming together. Having two separate buses is actually a step back for CNN. Last spring, the network bragged it was doing an embed, an embed of a reporter and a production team on board the Tea Party Express bus, as if the Tea Party Express was an army. Actually, what the Tea Party Express is, is a poli pol political action committee. It's run out of a Republican political consultancy. It is not the Tea Party movement, it is a fundraising gig. And after a long time of doing very well for Sal Russo and his firm, the group started funding candidates in last year's elections. It is a political action committee. It raises money and funds candidates. After the Tucson shootings, even, Tea Party Express sent out an email trying to raise money for itself by calling the alleged shooter in the case a liberal. I don't know why, I don't pretend to know why, but last year the news network CNN decided they wanted to not just cover the Tea Party Express as a political operation, they wanted to partner as a news organization with the Tea Party Express. The network announced in December they would jointly sponsor a presidential debate with Mr. Russo's group. Then last night CNN took a remarkable further step. As part of their coverage of the President's State of the Union address, CNN anointed a Tea Party Express webcast as the nation's official Tea Party response to the State of the Union. We're awaiting Michelle Bachman to deliver the Tea Party movement's official response to the President's State of the Union address. Stand by. CNN not only anointed their partner in this upcoming debate to be the official leadership of the Tea Party movement, they elevated what they deemed the official Tea Party response to the State of the Union to be the political equivalent, the political equal to the Republican Party.
Stay with CNN for complete live coverage, including the response from Republican Congressman Paul Ryan, and then the other response from Congresswoman, Republican Congresswoman Michelle Bachman, representing the Tea Party movement. The other response. Whenever there is a generic news event in this country, something that causes a lot of people who don't usually watch the news to turn on the news, CNN gets a lot of viewers. Hey, what's going on? Turn on CNN. But for their coverage of the State of the Union address this year, CNN did not present the news. They presented an alternate reality of their own making, one in which their debate partner officially speaks for the Tea Party, and the Tea Party is a co-equal third party of equal stature to the Democrats and the Republicans. And CNN has a competitive and potentially financial interest in selling you that alternate reality as if it is news. It's too bad. The reason why we have those conspiracy theories is because uh, there's a certain lack of transparency, and when you have a void, uh, when you have a an absence of information, that 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 vacuum is filled. Uh, I mean, I remember distinctly saying to maybe it was Ciro, maybe it was Rosen. I can't remember, but at one point, walking around Air America, saying to a board op, you know, this is like 2008, nine, saying to somebody like, you know. It would be irrational for some of our listeners not to think there was a mole in uh, Air America because there's almost virtually no other explanation for how poorly this place is run. It just so happens that up close, I can see that it's sort of like um, it's not quite that nefarious. It's a sort of a combination of wrong personnel and total incompetence and self-serving decisions. But I said, like you know, like I. I understand more about projecting certain conspiracies onto situations based upon how it would look from the outside because it's almost inexplicable and I'm right in the middle of it and I see it every day and I could not sit there and draw a clear diagram on how fucked up this place is. I mean, you know what I'm saying is that like you can, like I don't know how somebody from the outside couldn't look at that and go like somebody's purpose, purposely trying to sabotage it from within. It's like you can't even make it up. It, it, it was so and you know because there's no transparency there people make that determination because and it wouldn't be a rational guess I mean you know I still have my questions about some of those guys in there some people are doing just fine today that were there right well and it's it's a you know because of being there you know well, but I'm, what I'm talking about is you have people there who, um, you know, let's use the initials S.E. Okay, you know what I'm talking about. He was one of the longest-running employees there. Um, his politics were definitely, you know, definitely to the right of center, as as most of the, the actual executives were over time. D- pinstripes. Pinstripe suits. Well, Bennett Zier, yeah, Bennett Zier, the only uh, political contribution I could find for him was Mitt Romney. He was the last CEO of Air America. Uh, that's public knowledge. You can find that. Uh, and, But most of these guys, more than anything, at the end of the day, maybe they had disdain for the people who worked there because they were liberals. 
which I think is true. Certainly a Benazir. He definitely hated everyone there contempt, because they were liberal. Too. It was real contempt. Um, and, you know, when people say to me, like, you shouldn't say stuff, you know, uh, when you mock, uh, you know, someone wrote to me, like, when you mock the South, uh, not Larry Sabato said this to me on Twitter. You know, part of the reason why people vote against, uh, uh, you know, uh, one party is because they think it's full of elites who make fun of them because I made that joke about the South. Well, I got news for you. This motherfucker... Benazir came in with a, I don't know, how much does a watch like that go for? thousand bucks? Shoes cost $700. Suits cost $1,000. Walks in, uh, in Washington, going to every elite function, whatever it was. There's no way Benazir is less of an elite than me. Okay? And he loathed, not just me, but like you, Dorsey, the grubbiness. He'd walk around and say, like, this isn't uh, this isn't the Peace Corps. What the fuck does that mean? Every day he would walk through the intern row where I, you know, sat with the interns, and he would clap his hands together. Saving the world today? We're gonna save the world today. With derision. He his visceral hatred was not about we think that. We think that we are we that we are elites. It's him projecting, and this is the this is the perfect insight into the, the conservative mind. It is them projecting, maybe accurately, maybe not, projecting upon others that they are judging me. This, in other words, Bennett is judging everybody from the lowly intern to Dorsey to anybody else. You think you're better than me? Because you give a shit about other people. That's what's in the conservative mind. And that's why when you listen to Limbaugh or any other conservative uh, radio show, well, the one th the message is, you don't need to care about other people. And those other people who are do-gooders, they're not better than you. They think they're better than you. So elite is simply a code word for people who actually think about other people. <laughs> instead of themselves. And these guys weren't trying to tear down Air America because they were liberal. They hated the people there because they were liberal. Uh, but they were just basically just trying to make a buck and were doing it in the way that they knew how, which was to enrich their buddies in the radio industry. So... Uh, when it comes time to sending out a mailer, what am I going to do? Am I going to uh, spend the money in a smart way, uh, get help from uh, you know um, uh, shops that do mailers, you know that are willing to give us a discount rate because uh, they agree with our politics and they've been doing this professionally in the context of you know like political consulting, or am I going to go to the same hack who who does uh, Clear Channel who may be in a position to hire me uh, when I'm at uh, you know the local uh, easy listening station? Easy choice. Yeah, it'll fuck up and fail. Our ratings may even go down after this mailer. We waste a half a million dollars. But so what? I don't give a shit about the bottom line of this company. I care about my bottom line. The biggest irony I ever you know, faced there was when uh, one of the owners said to me, you know, Sam, you're not a team player. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? Do you know how many times I skipped a check at the beginning of this place? How many times I took bounce checks? How many times I did, you know, 
the shit that I've done. When they say you're not a team player, what they're saying is like you're not on our executive team. Our team, we have different rules than the team that makes the success of the company. All oh, right, your team is supposed to bilk you out. I mean, I, you know, what this guy didn't realize is that the team that he thought I wasn't on was bilking him of money, bilking him. This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Jess Levin. The mainstream media used this week's state visit from Chinese President Hu Jintao to discuss the future of U.S.-China relations. Rush Limbaugh took a different route. The question about this state dinner tonight is whether everybody's going to be hungry a half hour after they eat. But I don't know that we'll get any news on that. Translator could be making it all up. Hu Jintao could be, could be telling us, who knows what he could be saying to us. The translator is saying, we want to work together, two countries in the world, China. Yes, developing country, America developed country, but not for long. Hu Jintao, he was speaking and they weren't translating. They, they normally you know, some translator every couple of words, but Hu Jintao was just going ching chong, ching chong, 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 ching chong, ching ba ba ba, chong chong, ching ching, 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 In the 1950s, our nation was under attack, not by a foreign enemy, but by a man within our own government, U.S. Senator Joseph McCarthy. Hell-bent on identifying secret communists operating around the country, McCarthy launched endless investigations with little to no evidence and ruined the lives of countless Americans. It's estimated that hundreds were imprisoned and more than 10,000 people lost their jobs, all in the name of a witch hunt with little basis. While McCarthy was eventually exposed, thanks in part to the work of journalists like Edward R. Murrow, his crusade never ended. In 1950, the Committee on the Present Danger, or CPD as it was known, was created to alert Congress to the imminent Soviet threat. The CPD also launched a television campaign on NBC every Sunday for three months to alert the American public that action must be taken to contain Soviet expansionism. Their campaign worked. President Harry Truman adopted the new U.S. policy of military confinement against the Soviet Union. And what followed was the Korean and Vietnam Wars, killing countless Americans. The Soviet Union ended with the fall of the Berlin Wall in 1989, but after 9-11, the CPD found a new enemy to rally Americans against, Muslims. In 2004, the CPD emerged on the scene once again, this time with members like Senator Joseph Lieberman, and Senator John Kyle. The purpose of the newest CPD is to ensure that the war on terror is won. And like the old CPD, it supported a military doctrine that has led to the deaths of thousands of Americans and baseless investigations at home. It also has a news channel to support its cause. That's right, the same anti-American jingoism that nearly brought our country down in the 1950s is back today. You can see its effects in our nation's counterterrorism efforts where young Muslims are targeted, entrapped, and arrested for terrorism. Or when the FBI targets a man because he refused to become an informant against his fellow worshipers at a local mosque. This is the new McCarthyism. And like the old, it has a purpose, to attack progressives. In the 1950s, 
un-American activities was the buzzword to attack communist sympathizers and pretty much anyone on the left, including many Democrats. Today, Obama is called un-American routinely by the right and a Muslim by the far right. Those who want to shut Guantanamo or withdraw our troops in the Middle East are said to be making our country less safe. It's the same formula. Create an enemy, whether it's communism or, or a Muslim, and then link your po political opponent to that enemy. No matter the unlawful arrests that are made, the disunity in our country that's created, or the irrational fear that's fostered, the Committee on the Present Danger and its conservative cohorts have one goal, scare Americans to vote Republican, which is what Senator McCarthy was all about. Where is Senator Joseph Welch when you need him? You've done enough. Have you no sense of decency, sir, at long last? Have you left no sense of decency? Finally, a truth-teller to stop McCarthy. We need a one now to stop this new McCarthyism. I hope you enjoyed this show, but also consider it a valuable tool for not only aggregating, but more importantly, amplifying our view of progressive politics in the world. So if that's true, I ask you to support this work by becoming a member of the show at whatever level you're able, as anything from a basic leftist up through the ranks of socialist, communist, Satanist, or even the most reviled level of support, George Soros. I produce 11 episodes a month of fearless coverage on all the hot-button issues we face, maintaining a rock-solid schedule. So if that sounds worth supporting, please consider signing up to donate as little as five dollars a month or even $55 a year. Members also gain access to bonus audio and video content that doesn't make it into the show itself. So for a concrete way to support a strong progressive voice, please visit the membership tab at bestoftheleft.com. Glenn Beck has said he would like to strangle Michael Moore with his own hands, beat Charles Rangel to death with a shovel, see Dennis Kucinich burned alive, and once aired a sketch that had him poisoning then-Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. Among his many deranged ruminations, Beck has said that if the current direction of the country isn't changed, are you listening, Barack Obama? Quote, God will wash this nation in blood, close quote. For a year or more, he is obsessed on Francis Fox Piven, the 78-year-old distinguished professor at the City University of New York. Central to Beck's lies about Piven is the charge that a Nation article she co-wrote with Richard Cloward in 1966 is somehow the blueprint for a violent leftist takeover of the United States. Some Beck followers have taken his demented Piven fulminations a step further, posting death threats against Piven in the comment section of Beck's website called The Blaze. As Democracy Now! recounted on January 14th, these include calls to, quote, blow up Piven's office and home, close quote. Comments like, quote, somebody tell Francis I have 5,000 rounds ready and I'll give my life to take our freedom back, close quote. And, quote, I'm all for violence and change, Francis. Where do your loved ones live? Close quote. So, in the wake of Tucson and increased discussion of the lack of political civility, naturally, Time magazine put Glenn Beck on its distinguished panel discussing the problem of civility. Apparently, Michael Savage wasn't available.
This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Jess Levin. Remember when Glenn Beck called President Obama a racist? Well, Beck remembers it a little differently. I said it one time that I'm, I've got to be very careful because I know people are trying to censor this program. When I use the R word in response to uh, Barack Obama, I was thinking out loud. I said it at 7 o'clock in the morning without really thinking. Beck later claimed that he, quote, apologized immediately, but that's not true. That I said yesterday on Fox and Friends, I think the president is a racist. I think he has uh, race issues. Don't know if he hates white people, but there's something going on with the president. Well, I stand by that. It wasn't until a month later when Katie Kirk asked him about these comments that he kind of apologized. Are you sorry you said that at all? Mm, I'm sorry the way it was phrased. A couple of weeks ago, uh, Steve Cohen, no, not the chiropractor, <laughs> or the other chiropractor, the, uh, the congressman from uh, Tennessee went on the floor of the House and he compared what he called Republican uh, lies about health care to the big lie Joseph Goebbels popularized in perpetrating Nazi atrocities. Uh, we, along with others in the uh, uh, media and, and government, hit him pretty hard. Done. Next. Until... The leading commentators on this network use this kind of language. So let's you and I get it's together right true, now and Richard. say that there's, well, that is true. I mean, listen, you know, people can be the judge of it. You Maybe you and they I can. don't watch it. I don't know if you sit and much, watch but. our programming uh, every night, but I watch it every day, and you're wrong. <laughs> so I was supposed to let that go? I mean, you know, I, mean, I watch Fox all the time. They use Nazi like 16-year-olds use like. I mean, it's like a, it's a stutter. It's like a, Dad, there's nothing on TV, Nazi. <laughs> so we did the usual crap, a uh, bunch of clips, Fox hosts using Nazi comparisons on their political opponents, the head of Fox News calling political opponents Nazis, someone doing it actually on Megyn Kelly's program to Megyn Kelly. <laughs> Point taken, good time had by all. <laughs> and the symbiotic cycle of cable life continues. Until I realized I had hurt someone. Um. Someone, someone that I care about. John Stewart sees it a bit differently. He did not defend Cohen. He didn't defend the man. But he believes there's hypocrisy in play and that I, your humble correspondent, am a part of it. If you look back at what happened in Germany, you cannot escape the similarities between what Hitler and his cutthroats did back then and the hate-filled blogs, what they're doing now. That clip was from February 28, 2008, and it was edited by the Stewart folks. Here is the context to that letter and that statement. A. <laughs> Why you use the Nazi reference doesn't really matter in this. The segment is for Megyn Kelly to take offense to, not you. <laughs> it's not all about you, Bill. The segment was to show, contrary to Ms. Kelly's statement, that it's not the type of rhetoric used on Fox News, that it actually does appear quite frequent. 
that's all it was. Why you compared Ariana Huffington or the Huffington Post to Nazi propaganda is immaterial in this case. <laughs> Although since you seem interested in getting into it, The court will allow your witness. Nancy Reagan fell, fell down, and had to be taken to the hospital. Shortly after that, this appeared on the Huffington Post, quote, like her evil husband, she has lived far too long. Here's hoping the hag suffers for several weeks, then croaks in the tub, unquote. Now, I submit to you, ladies and gentlemen, that my comparison to the vile Nazi propaganda machine is dead on. You can make the call on that. First of all, let me say this. Two things. One, that was a horrible thing for someone to write. And whatever vicious loser, or if I may put it in your parlance, pinhead, whoever wrote that deserves condemnation. In fact, television condemnation. But being a heartless douche isn't exactly the same as being a Nazi propagandist. And number two, the quote that you're using was from a commenter on a blog post. I'm not sure that you want to go down the Nazi road when you're judging an organization by the worst things that have ever been posted on that organization's website. Will the court allow Exhibit B? This is from FoxNation.com today from Obama Blows. Hey, Michelle, saw your fat arse at your hubby's speech. Have you looked at your caboose in the mirror lately? It appears you're hauling around about 100 excess pounds in your trunk. Try exercise, you disgusting pig. <laughs> 23 people liked this. <laughs> as truly horrible as these blog posts are, that doesn't make even the people making these comments Nazis or akin to Nazi propagandists. And it certainly doesn't make you or the moderators of FoxNation.com Nazi sympathizers, Gestapo, brown shirts, or people who play Castle Wolfenstein and root for the wrong team. <laughs> so my point was, contrary to what your colleague Ms. Kelly was suggesting, that Fox commentators do use Nazi analogies, and your point seemed to be, yeah, but I had a good reason. <laughs> the problem with that is, everybody thinks they have a good reason. Steve Cohen thought he had a good reason. It's like speeding. I yelled at Steve Cohen for speeding. Megyn Kelly yelled at Steve Cohen for speeding, and then she said, good thing we don't speed. And I said, look at all them people speeding right there. <laughs> and then you said, you took that out of context. I was late. <laughs> I gotta tell you, Bill. I gotta tell you. I gotta tell you. You're late a lot. There's no difference between the KKK and the Nazis who have websites than the Daily Coast. These far-left Nazis, and that's what they are. Bill, I actually respect you. I even... I even... I even... Like... I like you. And I like the fact that you will come on other shows to be challenged and have others on your show to challenge you, unlike some of your colleagues. Glenn Beck! <laughs> but honestly, I stand by the bit. Truth is, all I wanted was for Megyn Kelly to notice my <laughs> That's what 
happens when you try and get a pretty girl to call? study out worldpublicopinion.org and a very strange way that it was written up in new york times here's the headline study some viewers were misinformed by tv news what do you think this story is about I'm not gonna you know what it is about dorsey don't say anything evan what do you think it's about study some viewers were misinformed by tv news oh man uh i have no idea well, just tell me what you what your impression is of that. Given what those stories usually are about, I'm going to say it's about a dog or something. Well, don't get that crazy. Just <laughs> give me a sense of what that uh, headline says to you. Don't uh, read too much into it. Uh, all right, I don't know. Um, something about the the minutia of of the uh, home loan situation. Okay, uh, fair enough. Um, WorldPublicOpinion.org managed by a program on international policy attitudes at the University of Maryland, did a study that showed, I don't know, conclusively is the right word, but overwhelmingly, that if you watch Fox News, and the more you watch Fox News, the more misinformed you become (laughs) on a wide array of stories. And the funny thing about the way that Brian Stetler wrote this article in the New York Times is, I mean, there's just like case after case after case after case with Fox. There's one instance on MSNBC, regular viewers of MSNBC, were 34% more likely than non-viewers to believe that it was proven that the U.S. Chamber of Commerce was spending money raised from foreign sources to support Republican candidates. And I think that, you know, I think uh, Rachel or Keith made a point about this. Well, the only thing that's actually proven is that the U.S. Chamber of Commerce raises money from overseas, from foreign sources, and spent money in support of Republican candidates. So, and they will not reveal any of the details of that. So, it's it's like saying, you know, hey, I, I uh, going up to your bank teller and saying, you know, I deposited $25 cash yesterday. I'd like that $25 back, please. And they give you $25. You go, excuse me, this is not my $25. Yes, it is, sir. Here it is. Here's your $25. No. I deposited a 20 and a 5. Okay, here you go, sir. Here's a 20 and a 5. No. It was serial number T0003. Because money's not fungible, right? But that, that had to be put, you know, that was there for balance. Again, you know, like you can't even report the truth. Almost daily viewers of Fox News were 31 points more likely to mistakenly believe that most economists have estimated the health care lo- uh, law will worsen the deficit. So there's no shading here. This is basically, 
this is basically, you know, saying like daily viewers of Fox News tend to believe that two plus two is three. They were 30, por- 30 points more likely to believe that most scientists do not agree that climate change is occurring. That again, this is like you can statistically measure this. You know, it's one thing to say that climate change is not occurring based upon th- that there are some scientists who say that climate change is not occurring because, you know, scientists is a very general term and there are people out there who, uh, who are willing to say it on behalf of the Exxon or whatever. They were 14 points more likely to believe that the stimulus legislation did not include any tax cuts. I wonder if they had asked, you know, A, B, or C. Stimulus included 40% tax cuts, 10% tax cuts, 0% tax cuts, 80% tax cuts, what people would say. The, you know what the answer is? No, I want to say... I want to say 40. Good for you, Evan. It is 40. You win a cookie. <laughs> Not a real cookie, because that would have cookie. to be purchased. <laughs> I'm keeping track of you win a You win a metaphorical cookie. <laughs> a free cookie. Um, 13 uh, points more likely to believe the auto bailout only occurred under Obama 12 points more likely to believe that when TARP came up for a vote most Republicans opposed it 31 points more likely to believe it's not clear that Obama was born in the United States the more you watch Fox the dumber you get I'm paraphrasing the study actually says these effects increase incrementally with increasing levels of exposure and we're all statistically significant but in other words that is the more you watch Fox the dumber you become Uh, absolutely fascinating and of course you know part of this is because uh, the top Fox News officials um, several memos have come out in the past month or so showing that these guys willfully, actively tell their employees, stop being so truthful. It's not the public option. It's the government option. It's not a public park. It's a government park. Climate change is not settled. But if you look for truthfulness, you might just as well be blind. It always seems to be so hard to give Honesty is such a lonely word Everyone is so untrue Honesty This is the Media Matters Minute. I'm Danny Herrera. This year, Fox News made it official and committed themselves as an arm of the Republican Party. The multimedia department at Media Matters decided to have a little fun and put together a video of Republicans thanking Fox News. I'd like to ask unanimous consent to put into a, re- a record 
Uh, a study by the nonpartisan Center for Media and Public Affairs that found that coverage on Fox News was more balanced than any other network. 36% of Americans list Fox as the most trusted source of news about politics and government. Although I'm sure Mr. Murdoch is pleased by the comments, the relevance to the hearing is a bit tenuous. People vote with their feet, and they love Bill O'Reilly, they love Glenn Beck, they love the shows that are on Fox. That's what matters, because people want to go where they can find truth. What would we do without Fox News, by the way? I tell you how proud I am when I turn on Fox best place to get your news. I'll just keep clicking on Fox Nation. I'm, I'm really excited about it. I mean, Republicans insisting on cutting spending dramatically. And shut down the government. It didn't do it, but we didn't have Fox News back then. And I, I say that in, in all seriousness. We didn't have Fox News. You didn't have the ability to get a message out. Do you think that the media in the 60s, 70s, and even 80s was generally left-leaning, yes. and now you don't think that's a problem? A lot of conservatives still think it is. And I say, no, stop complaining. You know, you've got, first of all, you've got Fox. Because we've got now, you know, um, other radio shows, we've got Fox. Cable's been great. We wouldn't have Fox News. But for cable. In the media, what we're seeing, what Fox is doing. What kind of help do you need? Thanks to you, Glenn, a lot of folks uh, in the media. I was sitting home watching Fox News, and Dick Morris came on and said, Hey, you know, Feingold's, Feingold's vulnerable. You know, if you're a rich guy in Wisconsin, step up the plate. And I kind of, you know, I kind of looked at Jane and go, Is he like talking to me? I stand proudly in Kasich's corner with an endorsement as long as it doesn't hurt you. <laughs> we want all the help you can give us, Sean. They love you out here. That's something that you have done brilliantly. You've you have exposed to the world what progressivism looks like. It's thanks to Fox News, thanks to conservative radio. And yet you can see, for example, with Scott Brown's campaign, and they heard about him on talk radio or they saw him on Fox News, and the next thing you knew they were sending him money. What do you need to say to them to change their mind to you? When you're on Fox News or, or, or talking to more conservative outlets, but maybe not going on to meet the press or... A, you know, this week, those type of shows. Will they let me say, I need $25 from a million people, go to SharonAngle.com, send money? I need a million people with $25 to go to SharonAngle.com, to SharonAngle.com. <laughs> Will they let me say that? It's great to be on to discuss the defeat of Let's Make a Deal, Harry Reid. You recently secured a $1 million donation from News Corp, the parent company of Fox News. I asked Rupert Murdoch to help us, and he thought about it, and called me back and said he wanted to help us. I'm very grateful. There's another woman I gotta thank. You betcha. <laughs> thank you, Governor Palin, for your endorsement. She's gonna have to dismiss that. Go with her gut. Get out there. Speak to the American people. Speak through Fox News. Fox Nation, you rock. How would you like to be able to read books and periodicals without the need for tree-killing paper, the actual ability to read, or having to pay a giant corporation for the pleasure? I sure would, but I don't think that exists. Two out of three ain't bad, though, because Audible, an Amazon company, is just such a giant corporation that can make these other wishes a reality. By signing up at audiblepodcast.com slash best, you'll receive a free audiobook of your choice, yours to keep even if you cancel within the 14-day free trial. That's audiblepodcast.com slash best to take something for nothing from a company who obviously didn't write the copy for this advertisement.
Media Matters has found a Fox former employee. It is an insider that has given them the scoop on what uh, his experience at Fox News was when he worked there for a number of years. He no longer works there. He's a former employee. Uh, now, a lot of people go anonymously uh, because Fox is notorious for being vindictive against former employees, and plus they often sign non-disclosure agreements that are legally binding. Uh, that is why sometimes they report on Fox News anonymously. Now, I know the people at Media Matters. Uh, look, whenever this source is anonymous, I'm going to tell you so you, you make your own judgment on it. I'd be shocked if they didn't. <laughs> I don't think they're making it up, right? Let, I'm, that's my perspective on it. I think they really got somebody who's giving them uh, exactly how it worked in Fox News. Uh, eventually, I would prefer for people to definitely go on the record. Uh, but I know for a fact that Fox News does, because I've got my own sources, uh, does go after former employees. If they say anything like this, they're in a world of trouble. They've got a massive legal team there ready to chase them down, and this guy alludes to it as well. So what did he say? He says that the stuff at Fox News is, quote, just made up. Now, there's a lot of devastating quotes in here. Let me walk you through them. First thing is, he says, quote, uh, it is their M.O. to undermine the administration and to undermine Democrats. They're a propaganda outfit, but they call themselves news. So now a lot of the, this is very important because a lot of the other news outlets uh, will say, oh, no, like remember when Fox News, when o Obama administration very briefly took on Fox News and said they don't do legitimate news, all the other news outlets jumped on and said, oh, no, you can't do this to poor Fox News. No, no, no. They're a great news organization. You can't beat up on them like this. Now, part of the reason they did that is a lot of people that work at those organizations might one day work at Fox News or at some point worked at Fox News earlier. Got to know where your bread is buttered, right? I'm keeping it real. That's definitely part of the answer. Well, this guy who already worked there says, nonsense, propaganda outlet. Now, he gets into further details. Second big quote. He says, like any news channel, there's a lot of room for non-news content. The content that wasn't news, they didn't care what we did with it, as long as it was amusing or quirky or entertaining, as long as it brought in eyeballs. But anything. Anything that was a news story, you had to understand what the spin should be on it. If it was a big enough story, uh, it was explained to you in the morning editorial meeting. If it wasn't explained, it was up to you know that the conservative take on it. There's a conservative take on every story, no matter what it is. So you either get told what it is, or you better intuitively know what it is. Now, uh, you know, obviously I've had some experience in cable news. Uh, there are these things called morning meetings. They're very normal uh, and sensible you get together in the morning you decide what the big news stories of the day are and then you go uh, produce your get your show ready you produce the show based on the decisions you made in the morning meeting now what happens at fox news that is different than what happens at the other outlets is they give you a memo as this guy is explaining telling you you must take the conservative position on this there is no such similar thing at the other organizations nobody comes and tells you what to report what to say there is no memo that comes down and says you must use this language. That was another revelation that Media Matters had earlier, where they found a memo uh, leaked to them by an insider at Fox News saying, here is the language you must use. For example, one of the things they're doing recently is instead of calling uh, the health care bill health care bill, they call it Obamacare. That was a memo written by the top saying you must call it that word 
because the whole point is propaganda. Now, uh, and by the way, those memos are not just for their opinion hosts. Much more importantly, they're for their so-called news anchors. That's why they're a propaganda outfit. Now, third major quote. He said, for the first few years, it was like, and he, apparently he was at Fox News for a long time and from the beginning. He says, for the first few years, uh, let's take uh, the conservative take on things. And then after a few years, it evolved into, well, it's not just a conservative take on things. We're going to take the Republican take on things, which is not necessarily in lockstep with the conservative point of view. So that's where they start to get to the point where they're like, yeah, it's one thing to have a perspective, but let's just skip that and support the Republican Party and just become a propaganda outlet for them. Now, if they were conservative as opposed to Republican, that would be better. That's their perspective. If they're Republican, they're just a just a tool for one party. That's all it is. But it gets worse. He continues. Um, and then two, three, five years into it, that into that, that it was, we're taking the Bush line on things, which was different than the GOP. We were a Stalin-esque mouthpiece. It was just what Bush says goes on our channel. And by that point, it was just totally dangerous. This is what we're talking about when we say propaganda. Look, you can do advocacy journalism. We have a perspective. The Nation magazine has a perspective. The Weekly Standard has a perspective. They're conservative. National Review. All these different people do, in some way, advocacy journalism. They're honest about it. They say, I'm conservative or I'm liberal, and now here's a story I'm reporting. Fox News says they are not conservative, that they're fair and balanced. But in reality, they're not even conservative. They're Republican, and during the Bush years, they were simply just an apparatchik for the Bush administration. As this guy says, that's what the Soviets used to do. Um, he, and then finally, fourth quote here, he says, I don't think people understand that it's an organization that's built and functions by intimidation and bullying, and its goal is to prop up and support Republicans and the GOP and to knock down Democrats. People tend to think that stuff that's on TV is real, especially under the guise of news. You think that people would wise up but they don't. And he says that is one of the reasons that he came out, because he couldn't believe that people kept treating it as if it was real news, because he'd been inside. He knew it, and he thought it was obvious to everybody. We're getting our talking points. All of the anchors are saying the same thing, not just the opinion guys. All the reporters are saying the same thing. And they're saying the same thing because we got together in a morning meeting, and Roger Ailes told us what to say, and what they say every single time is the Republican Party is right, the Democrats are wrong. How much clearer does it have to be? What is it going to get through your heads? Hi, Jay. It's Chuck in Salt Lake City, Utah. Hey, I don't know if um, if if this is just because I live uh, in a state where basically my vote for the presidential candidate really doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> we uh, pretty much always go uh, Republican. Uh, in fact, I think we were the only state where Ross Perot beat uh, Bill Clinton, even. Uh, anyway. Uh, Listening to you guys talk about uh, you and your some of your some of your listeners talk about 
how if we ran a, a, a primary candidate against Barack Obama, we would he would we would be portrayed as as racist somehow. Man, uh, I don't know. It, it just reminds me of of the guy who uh, changes his tone and demeanor when he walks into a restaurant where a black man is. Uh, I I don't think that we should even be thinking that way. And if if someone's going to be uh, accusing of us of that later, we can defend it at that point. But if we are uh, basically saying, well, we're not going to run a primary candidate because uh, Barack Obama is black, <laughs> so therefore we can't run uh, a, a primary candidate against him, it's like some sort of reverse racism thing. I, I, I don't know. But again, it could be just because, you know, even if we ran a primary candidate for against Barack Obama, Poor little old me here in Utah wouldn't have a have a have a chance in hell at even affecting that race. <laughs> so anyway, just my two bits, uh, something to chew on. Uh, love the show. Uh, I'm getting close to having my uh, annual budget for donations to uh, the causes of my choices worked out. And you're on my list, Jay. Uh, I got a big family and a crappy job, so. Uh, it's probably not going to be much, but I, I, I'm happy to inform you that you've you've made the list with such great programs as Democracy Now! and uh, Free Speech Radio News, and uh, keep up the great work, man. Hi, Jay. This is Joyce from Tennessee. I uh, just finished listening to the uh, podcast on gun control, and it was absolutely fabulous. I um, had heard a lot of the stuff already from the Rachel Maddow show, but the extra things that you put in uh, just made it that much better. Um, and I just wanted to say thank you for for doing what you do. Um, I started listening to you about um, six months ago, maybe, and I look forward to your new uh, podcast every time they come out. I... Uh, have even gotten my 15-year-old daughter interested in, in listening as well. So keep up the good work, and thanks again for um, for putting this out. I appreciate it. Bye. Thanks for listening, everyone, and thanks to all those who called in the voicemail line. If you would like to leave a comment, question, or activist call to action yourself to be played on the show, the number to dial is 206-202-3410. I have a couple of things to respond to today. First of all, Chuck in Salt Lake, uh, his comments uh, that you just heard about um, running a primary against Obama and, and you know, the, the potential reverse racism uh, of, oh, we shouldn't do that because he's black. If my argument had been we shouldn't run a primary candidate because he's black and it will be seen as racism, then I would be ashamed of myself. So I'm really happy to have the chance to clear that up and say that is not at all what I intended. My basic argument is that uh, if, if, the, if the politician we were talking about were a senator, I would be all in favor of using the, the tools of running a primary against them to pull them to the left. I am 100% on board for that tactic when it comes to every politician except president because uh, the president is the only 
uh, office holder who gets to appoint Supreme Court justices. So I think that running a primary candidate, uh, it sends a message, it pulls a candidate to the side that the primary is coming from and um, can be really good, but it can also hurt the candidate and uh, divide the voting public um, and, and and hurt, you know, ultimately hurt uh, the left wing's chances of gaining the office ultimately. So I think that there are a lot of people who are big fans of Barack Obama. They were excited about him and they still are because they're not as in tune with uh, policies that have been going on as people who listen to this show. So, uh, you know, they were excited about him. They voted for him. They think that historic uh, health care and financial reform have passed. Uh, they would be right about Don't Ask, Don't Tell being repealed. So that's good. But um, but they don't know the details of how those other policies have been watered down. And so they don't even understand why we would be disappointed in them. And there's a, there's a huge swath of the population who would feel that way. I guarantee it because not everyone pays as much attention as we do. So um, so there would be a split in, in the electorate. Uh, for the primary, there would be confusion, animosity, and so on. And, um, and so to go through that, trying to pull Obama to the left – uh, risking allowing a practically psychopathic Republican to come in and be the person to name the next uh, two or three Supreme Court justices is really just not worth it to me. And then where race even comes into this discussion was just to add emphasis. It was it would be uh, messy. There would be a huge split in the in the voters. Uh, there would be animosity among generally like-minded people, and that's the case. You know, if you did this any time with any sitting president, and so that's as far as I would need to go to make that argument. And then on top of it, you think it would be bad in a normal situation. Oh boy, you don't even know how bad it would be until you try to do it with the first African American president. So that was really my whole point. Uh, if if race were the basis for my argument, I'd be ashamed of myself. It was really just an element of it. It's like the icing on top of what a potential disaster that could be. So I'm glad to clear that up. Uh, my second thing to respond to is about guns. It's actually not about the very pleasant uh, voicemail I uh, got about guns, but Sean wrote in an email about it, which was so different than anything else I've heard uh, that I wanted to give it airtime. So Sean writes, just thought I would drop a line to express my feelings about the most recent podcast. Uh, so this this much I know. I am certainly a social leftist on almost every issue other than guns. I have to tell you that the podcast today made me emotional. I'm a multi-gun owner. I own an AR-15 and a Glock. I find the whole argument on the left about guns always and in this podcast to be soft and irrational. To make a few points, why outlaw 32-round clips when a gunman can just bring two loaded guns with 15-round clips? Why all the talk about assault rifles when a rifle was not used in the Arizona shooting or Virginia Tech or Columbine. Wait, at least I don't think one was used in Columbine. What if 10 people showed up that day with five round clips? That would be 50 round clip. I think what the left needs to do is come out full force against guns. The left wants zero guns, and if so, just say it. I'm an atheist, and as an atheist, I have to hold back how I feel on a daily basis, so I know when a person is not coming out full force about an issue. The left wants zero guns, and I'm sorry, but I just do not sign my name on that vote. 
Thomas Jefferson was right when he said every generation needs a revolution. He knew that people in power will be corrupt if you let them. The people need the power to tell those in power that they do not have the final say in any matter. Please do not advocate taking away my AR-15. I need it in case 10 Jared Lee Lofners show up in my neighborhood. I am my own police in times of extreme duress, and do not kid yourself, extreme duress will probably come to this nation during our lifetime. Great podcast, Sean. So, so much to respond to, so little time. I think the arguments he makes about the number of rounds uh, in a clip being limited is absurd on its face. The numbers he are u- he's, he's using are different than what everyone's advocating for. Everyone's advocating for 10 rounds per clip. So maybe you could have one gun in each hand with 10 rounds each. You'd still be up to only 20 instead of 32 per gun. And, uh, you know, so because the reverse is true too. He could have brought two guns with 30 rounds each, and then he could have gotten off 60 shots instead of just 30. So yeah, I mean, these hypotheticals, I think, are ridiculous. Uh, Then down at the bottom, his discussion about the people need the power to tell those in power um, that they don't have the final say. I think Rachel Maddow covered this really, really well, because this argument means if the people of this country need to be able to tell those in government that they don't have all the power, then individuals need to be able to have nuclear weapons because that's what the government has. So again, another argument that I think is absurd on its face. What I think is really interesting in the middle here is his comparison with atheism because I too am an atheist and I basically, I I see what he's saying. This is an interesting parallel. I feel like I would be happier if there was no religion in the world, but I'm not actually advocating for that. You know, it's not something that I see as an achievable goal. So I don't put any effort into it. I kind of advocate for, you know, think logically, don't believe in sky God, but I don't go around making that like my stance where that we need to eradicate religion. My my stance is that we need to, uh, you know, completely marginalize the dangerous portions of religion when people get radicalized and uh, and and become extremist and fundamentalist. So that's what's worth fighting against when it comes to the gun argument. Again, like I yeah, I kind of would be like I'll I'll take his challenge. I would be happier in a world where guns didn't exist, but that's completely completely unattainable. It's not a goal worth striving for. So similarly. I just advocate for sane gun ownership, sane gun regulations, uh, completely marginalize extremists, don't allow people to have things that are going to be able to kill, you know, large numbers of people and so on and so on. So I thought that was actually a good comparison, but I still come out on the opposite side (laughs) as he appears to. And I just wonder, you know, as an atheist, I don't think that he was advocating eradicating religion. And so I hope he would see the flip side of that same argument about guns, even people who would like to see all guns wiped off the face of the earth, uh, you know, we're still not even advocating for that. So there you go. That's about it. Important stuff to talk about today. You know, the show went long to cover it, but I hope you guys liked it. I thought it was uh, interesting, uh, interesting topic. So I wanted to cover them both. Uh, now I just want to thank a couple of members before I go. Carol C signed, signed up for a leftist membership paying uh, for a full year in advance back on April 6th. And Mike T, uh, who's actually my old boss, 
signed up for a membership, a socialist membership, back on uh, February 21st of last year, um, which is always a good sign. You know, when the guy who used to pay you for doing a job uh, wants to continue to give you a little bit of money, even though he doesn't have to, uh, definitely take that as a good sign. So, um, Huge thanks to uh, to Carol and Mike and all of the members who make the show possible. Of course, everyone can support the show just by telling everyone you know about it. If you have a Twitter account, donate your Twitter account to me, which will uh, all it does is allow me to uh, send you know select high priority, unoffensive, politically geared tweets uh, to have you automatically send them out to your followers as well as mine. It really helps extend the reach of the show. Um, so you can do that at bestoftheleft.com. Of course, to stay tuned into the show between episodes, you can also just follow us on Twitter as normal and join up with us on the Facebook page. For details on the show itself, including links to all of the sources and music used in this and every episode, all the details are always listed in the show notes on the blog. So coming to you from far outside the conventional wisdom of Washington, D.C., my name is Jay, and this has been the Best of the Left podcast coming to you 10 times a month. Thanks entirely to the members and donors to the show from bestoftheleft.com. Black and white You took apart a picture that wasn't right Bitch burning on a shining sheet The only maker that you want to meet A dying man in a living room Who shadow bases the floor Who'll take you out in the open door This is not my life just a fond farewell to a friend